The following episode involves crimes against young children. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to the Bizarre and Fascinating Details podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, coming in solo for you guys today, right before the holidays. Today we're going to talk about an episode based on a serial killer that I've always found very interesting in light of the way he did things and some of his background. But today I'm going to talk about Albert Fish. He was also known as the Gray Man, the Werewolf of Wisteria, the Brooklyn Vampire, the Moon Maniac, and the Boogeyman. Hamilton Howard Fish was born May 19, 1870, in Washington, D.C. His father was from England, and his mother was Scots-Irish. His father was 43 years older than his mother, and was about 75 years old at the time of Albert's birth. Albert, as he was known, was the youngest child and had three siblings, Walter, Annie, and Edwin. He claimed that he wished to be known as Albert after a dead sibling and to escape the nickname of Ham and Eggs that he had been given while he was spending time in an orphanage during his childhood. There was a history of mental illness in Fish's family. His uncle was said to have had mania, one of his brothers was in a state mental hospital, and his sister Annie was diagnosed with a, quote, mental affliction. Various other relatives had been diagnosed with mental illnesses, and his mother was said to have hallucinations of both aureal and visual. Fish's dad, quite a bit older than his mother, was said to have been a fertilizer manufacturer and ended up suffering a heart attack in 1875. At this time, Fish's mother put him into St. John's Orphanage in Washington. He claimed during this time that he had been frequently physically abused and at that time began to, quote, enjoy the physical pain that beatings brought. By 1880, Albert's mother got a secure government job and removed Albert from the orphanage where he'd been staying. In 1882, he was about 12 and was said to have began a relationship with a telegraph boy. And this young boy introduced Albert to practices like drinking his own urine and eating feces, which sounds like a terrible, terrible influence from this young boy, but at that time, Albert began visiting public baths where he enjoyed watching boys undress. He was also said to enjoy writing obscene letters to women with names he got from classified ads and matrimonial agencies. By the year 1890, Fish was about 20 and had moved to New York City. It was said during this time that he engaged in sex work and began molesting and raping boys, mostly those that were six years or younger. In 1898, Albert's mother arranged a marriage for him, which seems a little odd, but this marriage was with a young woman by the name of Anna Marie Hoffman. The two had six children together, Albert, Anna, Gertrude, Eugene, John, and Henry Fish, within the course of a pretty short period of time. By the year 1903, Albert was arrested for grand larceny, convicted, and then incarcerated in Sing Sing Prison. In a later recount, Albert talked about a male lover who took him to a wax museum, and he became fascinated at that point by the bisection of a human penis and became obsessed then with sexual mutilation. Around 1910, Albert was said to be working in Wilmingham, Delaware, when he met a 19-year-old man by the name of Thomas Kedden. The two eventually began a sadomasochistic relationship together, 
It is not clear as to whether Fish forced this young man to do any of these things, but confessions implied that Kedden was disabled intellectually. After about 10 days, Fish took this young man to an old farmhouse where he was said to have tortured him over the period of about two weeks. The young man was eventually tied up and half of his penis was cut off. Fish later said, I shall never forget his scream or the look he gave me. He originally intended to kill this young disabled man, cut up his body and take it home, but he feared that the warm weather in the area would draw attention to him. And instead he poured peroxide over the wound, wrapped it up in a handkerchief and left this young man with a $10 bill. He then took the first train home and never heard or tried to find out anything else about Kedden. By January 1917, Albert's wife left him for a man by the name of John Straub, who was a handyman who had sometimes boarded with the Fish family. Albert was then left to raise his children as a single parent. He later recounted that when his wife left him, she took nearly every possession that the family owned, and he began to have hallucinations at that time. He once wrapped himself in a carpet, saying he was following the instructions of John the Apostle, which seems very bizarre. It was also at this time that he began to self-harm by embedding needles into both his groin and his abdomen. When he was arrested sometime later, extensive x-rays revealed that he had at least 29 needles permanently lodged in his pelvic region. He also repeatedly was known to hit himself with a nail-studded paddle and inserted wool doused with lighter fluid into his anus and set it a fire. He was never thought to have physically attacked or abused his own children, but he did encourage them and whatever friends they attempted to bring home to paddle his backside with the same nail-studded paddle that he had used to abuse himself. By the year 1919, Albert Fish stabbed another intellectually disabled young man in Georgetown. He usually chose people to abuse who were either mentally disabled or black as his victims, explaining that he thought these people would not be missed if they disappeared. He later claimed to occasionally pay young boys to procure other children for him to torture, mutilate, and murder with, quote, implements of hell, which were a meat cleaver, a butcher knife, and a small handsaw. On July 11th, 1924, Albert found eight-year-old Beatrice Keel. She was playing alone on a farm that belonged to her family outside of Staten Island, New York. Fish offered this little girl money to come help him look for rhubarb. Fortunately for this young girl, her mother came around and chased Albert away, but he later returned to this barn where he tried to sleep, but was discovered by Beatrice's father and forced to leave once more. It was said that three days later, Fish killed Francis McDonald, also on Staten Island. By the year 1924, Fish was 54 years old and clearly suffering from psychosis. He felt that God was commanding him to torture and sexually mutilate young children. Shortly thereafter, Fish attempted to test his implements of hell on a child that he had been molesting. This child's name was Cyril Quinn. Quinn and his little friend were playing box ball on a sidewalk when Albert asked them if they had eaten lunch. After they said they had not, he somehow managed to get them to his apartment for sandwiches. While the two boys were wrestling on Fish's bed, he then dislodged the mattress and underneath was a knife, a small handsaw, and a meat cleaver. 
The two little boys became frightened, justifiably so, and ran out of the apartment. So some other criminal activity that was going on at that time was Fish was still said to be married to his first wife when he married another woman by the name of Estella Wilcox in 1930. The two were married in Waterloo, New York, but divorced after about a week. Fish was also arrested in 1930 for sending an obscene letter to a woman who'd answered an advertisement for maid. He was arrested again in 1931 and then sent to Bellevue Hospital, which was a famous mental hospital at that time, for observation. Jumping back, May 25th, 1928, Albert saw an advertisement in the New York world that read, young man 18 wishes position in country Edward Budd, 406 West 15th Street. At this time, Albert Fish was 58 years old and he visited the Budd family in Manhattan, claiming that he wanted to hire Edward. He later confessed that he planned to tie Edward up, mutilate him, and leave him to bleed to death. When he met the family, Albert introduced himself as Frank Howard, claiming he was a farmer from Farmingdale, New York. He promised to hire the young Bud and his friend Willie, and said he would send for them in a few days. He then failed to show up and sent a telegram to the Bud family, apologizing and setting a date to later come. When he returned back to the farm of the Bud family, he met Edward's younger sister. Her name was Grace, and she was 10 years old. It was said that he had shifted his intentions towards Grace and quickly made up some sort of a story about getting her to attend his niece's birthday party. He then convinced Grace Bud's parents, Delia and Albert, to let this 10-year-old girl accompany him to a party that night, which it's unbelievable that anyone would let a complete stranger take their 10-year-old daughter alone. It just blows my mind. But Fish then took Grace to an abandoned house that he had previously picked out. The house, Wisteria Cottage at 359 Mountain Road, was located in the East Irvington neighborhood in Irvington, New York. Once there, he murdered little Grace Bud and was said to have beaten her. The police then arrested 66-year-old Superintendent Charles Edward Pope in 1930, claiming that he was a suspect in Grace's disappearance. He had been accused by his estranged wife. Pope ended up spending about 100 days in jail between his arrest and the trial in 1930 and was ultimately found not guilty. However, at the same time, in November 1934, anonymous letters began to arrive at Grace Bud's home. Police investigated this letter then. They were concerned about the part of the letter that talked about the murder of Grace Bud. They found this to be completely accurate but they could not confirm as to whether Albert had actually eaten parts of Grace Bud's body. They eventually found Albert Fish and took him into police headquarters, at which time he made no attempt to deny the murder of Grace Bud, claiming that he had actually meant to go to the house to kill her brother. He also claimed that he had had some sort of involuntary ejaculation above the body, which was used to make the crime sexually motivated. This time they also were able to avoid any mention of cannibalism, which probably would have completely traumatized the court and family. Other crimes were actually discovered as well after Fish's arrest. There was Francis McDonald. This was 1924. The nine-year-old was reported missing when he did not come home after playing catch with his friends in Staten Island. They did find the body eventually hanging by a tree in a wooded area near his home. Evidently, he had been sexually assaulted and then strangled with his own suspenders. 
There were extensive lacerations to his legs and abdomen and some flesh missing. Evidently, Albert refused to claim any responsibility for this crime, but later stated he had wanted to castrate the young boy, but fled when he heard someone else approaching the area. Francis's friends did get a look at Albert Fish and claimed that their friend had been taken by an elderly man with a gray mustache. Others also reported witnessing Albert Fish with thick gray hair and a drooping gray mustache. Everything about him, quote, seemed faded and gray. This led him to be known as the Gray Man. At first, Fish denied having anything to do with this, but after his trial in March of 1935, he confirmed to investigators he had also raped and murdered Francis McDonald. This gave him the reputation of, quote, the most vicious child slayer in criminal history. Then there was Billy Gaffney. This happened in 1927. Billy Beaton was three years old, and he and his 12-year-old brother were playing in an apartment hallway in Brooklyn with four-year-old Billy Gaffney. When the 12-year-old left for his apartment, both of the young boys disappeared. Beaton was later found on the roof of one of the apartments, and when he was asked what happened to his friend, Billy Gaffney, he said the boogeyman took him. Billy Gaffney's body has never been recovered. Other people were suspected of the murder of this young boy, but later people who observed this man with young Billy Gaffney also said that he matched the description of Albert Fish. Police also did a little bit of investigating and found that Albert was employed as a house painter in a nearby area in February 1927, and that on the day that Billy Gaffney disappeared, Albert Fish had been working at a location a few miles away from where the boy disappeared. Baffling, this man was clearly very, very mentally ill, but this young boy's mother visited the prison with two other men, and she wanted to ask Albert about her son's death because at that point it had not been proven that Fish was the killer, but Albert refused to speak to her. He began to weep and asked to be left alone. Then after about two hours of asking questions, this young boy's mother gave up. She was still unconvinced that Albert Fish was her son's killer. But Fish's trial began March 11, 1935 in White Plains, New York for the murder of young Grace Budd. The trial lasted for about 10 days. During the trial, Fish pleaded insanity and claimed that he was hearing voices from God telling him to kill children. There were a number of psychiatrists that testified about his sexual fetishes. Among these were said to have been sadism, masochism, flagellation, exhibitionism, voyeurism, pickerism, cannibalism, coprophagia, urophilia, pedophilia, necrophilia, infibulation. Evidently, they noted that fish was a psychiatric phenomena and that nowhere in legal or medical records was there any other man who possessed so many sexual abnormalities. During the trial, multiple experts testified explaining that Fish was obsessed with religion and specifically had a preoccupation with biblical stories. He believed he was sacrificing these young children as a penance for his own sins and that his cannibalism was associated with communion in his own mind. Other witnesses came forward to say how, how Fish taught his children games involving overtones of masochism and child molestation. So essentially corrupting and ruining the lives of every one of his children as well. But evidently none of the jurors doubted that Fish was insane, but they felt that he should be executed anyway. He was found to be sane and guilty and he was sentenced to death by electrocution. He was executed January 16th. 1936 in the electric chair at Sing Sing and later buried at the cemetery there. It was said that he helped the executioner position the electrodes on his body 
and his last words were reportedly, I don't even know why I'm here. It took several jolts before Albert Fish died. There were also some reports that the apparatus short-circuited due to the needles Fish had inserted into various parts of his body. It's thought that Fish may have killed other people, but the known victims at the time of his death were Francis X. McDonald, age 8, Billy Gaffney, age 4, Grace Budd, age 10. He is also suspected to have murdered Emma Richardson, age 5, Yetta Abramowitz, age 12, Robin Jane Lee, age 6, Mary Ellen O'Connor, age 16, and Benjamin Colings, age 17. So I found this really interesting article on Albert Fish that I thought was a good kind of addition to the show today. And it's titled Albert Fish, Pedophile and Serial Killer with over 400 child victims. And Julianne Kunha wrote this article. Albert Hamilton Fish was one of the most ruthless American pedophiles. Born in 1870, he was marginalized and abused from an early age and even developed a fascination with sadomasochism. But it was as an adult he began his crimes. His favorite victims were children from 6 to 10 years old who suffered abuse, mutilation, and dismemberment. In the end, he used to eat his victims in an act of cannibalism. Albert Fish's childhood was disturbing. His father was 43 years older than his mother. When Albert was born, his mother was 32 and his father was 75. In addition, his family had a huge history of mental illness. His father was a fishing boat captain, but in 1870, he was working at a fertilizer manufacturer, and during this period, he died of a heart attack. Fish's mother was left in misery, and the only way out was to send the boy to an orphanage when he was only five years old. During his time in this institution, Albert was very badly treated, abused, and frequently beaten. However, the brutal and sadistic practices developed a certain fascination in Fish, and at one point, he began to take pleasure in being beaten. Two years later, his mother was financially stabilized and able to take care of Albert again. But the marks of the violence suffered from his time in the orphanage were not easy to erase. At the age of nine, he fell from a tree, suffered a traumatic brain injury that caused him severe headaches and some mental problems. In 1882, at the age of 12, he had his first homosexual relationship with a local boy. In this relationship, Fish was introduced to a new world of questionable and shameless sex acts. From this moment on, besides his great interest in sadomasochism, Fish began to feel attracted to unusual things, such as drinking urine and eating feces during sex. He started to frequent public bathrooms only to see naked men. At the age of 20, he moved to New York and began prostituting himself. Sometime later, he returned to Washington, D.C. to his mother's house as he could no longer pay his bills by himself. When he was 28 years old, his mother, in a desperate attempt to save him, arranged a marriage to a woman 14 years older. But even with the marriage, Fish continued to lead a dark life. At the age of 29, he moved to New York, this time together with his wife. At this time, he spent a lot of time away from home involved in homosexual, sadomasochistic relationships. He worked as a painter but had no steady job. Then the crimes with children began. He usually molested victims under the age of six. The situation in the marriage was the worst possible. Albert's wife knew about his extramarital relationships and tried to work around the situation in every possible way while raising the couple's six children. Sometimes Albert even forced his children to watch his self-mutilation and only stopped when his buttocks started gushing blood. Once during a walk, Albert and one of his lovers were visiting a wax museum. There, he got fascinated by the penis of one of the dolls. 
From this, his interest in sex organs increased, and he felt he needed to castrate someone. During a relationship with a mentally handicapped man, Fish tried to castrate him, but the man got scared and managed to escape. At that time, his visits to brothels increased because there he could pay to be beaten. In 1903, he was arrested for grand larceny. In jail, he had sexual relations with other inmates. In January 1917, his wife left him for another man. After this, Fish began to hear voices. Once, he even rolled himself up in a carpet, saying that he was following God's instructions. By then, Albert Fish was already a masochistic addict. He used to take cotton balls, soak them in alcohol, insert them in his anus, and set them on fire. He also began to beat himself and even stuck needles in his body, especially between his anus and testicles. Normally after the session, he would remove the needles, but he started inserting them so deeply that sometimes he could not remove them. X-rays later revealed 27 needles in his pelvic region. At age 55, he began to suffer hallucinations. Fish believed that God sent him orders to torture and castrate children. Doctors stated that he suffered from a psychosis, just as one of his uncles also had. Between 1910 and 1930, he committed most of his murders. His preferred victims were children with mental problems or blacks, as he thought these would be less wanted by family and police. Since he believed he was in contact with God, he used his arguments to commit his crimes. As long as he was not punished by God, he would not be committing anything serious. And God never verbally reprimanded him, as he himself said. Around 1920, he traveled through several American states painting houses. He saw this work as a great opportunity to commit his crimes against children. He often read the Bible and said that the voice of God told him to kill. Grace Budd, a 10-year-old child, is considered to be his best-known victim, as the investigations into this case led the police finally to find Fish. In May 1928, Edward Budd places an ad in a newspaper looking for a job. Young man, 18, wishes position in country, it said. A few days later, Fish visited the Budd family in Manhattan under the pretext of hiring Edward. He introduced himself as Frank Howard, a farmer from New York. It was then that he met Grace, Bud's sister, who was 10 years old. Fish promised Edward a job and said that someone would pick him up in a few days. He also convinced the girl's parents to let Grace accompany him to a birthday party that afternoon. That Fish invented that it would be at his sister's house. At first, his idea was to rape and kill Edward, but when he saw the girl, he changed his plans. Grace went with Fish that day and never came back. The investigation into Grace Budd's disappearance continued for six years, until November 1934, when the Budd family received an anonymous letter that gave shocking details about the girl's murder. When she saw me all naked, she began to cry and tried to run downstairs. I grabbed her, and she said she would tell her mama. First, I stripped her naked, how she did kick, bite, and scratch. I choked her to death and cut her into small pieces so I could take my meat to my rooms, cook, and eat it. Albert stated he had killed at least 23 and molested more than 400 children. He acted coldly like a pedophile, waiting patiently for a previously chosen child. When the child was left alone, either because of an adult's carelessness or by gaining his trust, he committed the crime. As he pretended to be a good person, no one was suspicious of his plans. Fish even got a nickname, Boogeyman, but it was given to him by Billy, a three-year-old boy who was playing in February 1927 with a four-year-old friend also named Billy. Both were being cared for by a neighbor who was 12 at the time. For a few minutes, the neighbor went into his house, and as soon as he returned, the children were gone. 
Startled, the boy warned the younger Billy's father, and they both began a search for the boys. When they finally found Billy, he was on the roof terrace of the building, but without his friend. And where the boy was, Billy replied, the boogeyman took him. Billy's body was never found, but Fish later confessed to the murder and recounted in extreme detail and coldness what he had done to Billy. When he kidnapped him, he took him to an abandoned house, tore off his clothes, tied his feet and hands, and from there he began one of the most horrifying criminal stories you can imagine. Fish separated tools and self-made a whip, which he called a catanine tails. He began whipping the boy's naked body until blood ran down his legs. He then cut off the body parts. Fish drank the blood that flowed from the corpse. Hence, he also became known as the Brooklyn Vampire. After quenching his thirst, he butchered the victim's body. After selecting the prime cuts, quote-unquote, he put them in the oven and seasoned them with onions, carrots, turnips, salt, and pepper. Its meat was better than any roast turkey I had ever eaten, he claimed. Francis McDonald, age 8, was also murdered and tortured by fish. He was kidnapped after his mother's carelessness. The police found the boy's body in the woods. He was dead and had been severely beaten. It was acting in a similar manner that Albert Fish committed dozens of crimes over approximately two decades. The murder trial of Grace Budd began March 11, 1935 in New York City. Sentencing took 10 days. Fish pleaded insanity and claimed to hear voices from God telling him to kill children. A psychiatrist testified to Fish's insanity, but the testimony of Mary Nicholas, his 17-year-old adopted daughter, changed this version. Mary Nicholas claimed that Fish was trying to introduce his children to masochistic practices and child rape. The judge found him sane and guilty and sentenced him to death. Fish was executed January 16, 1936, in the electric chair. The many needles stuck in his body throughout his life short-circuited the system, supposedly, and interrupted the flow of electricity to the chair. It took two electric shocks to kill him. But before closing his eyes completely, Fish, referring to the electric chair, uttered his last words, It will be the supreme thrill, the only one I haven't tried. Ugh. Awful, awful, awful. This man was truly very, very mentally ill, and it's really unfortunate that anyone that came into his path had to suffer in the way they did at his hands, including his poor children. In any case, we're going to wrap the episode up for the day. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can shoot us an email. We're at the podcast at gmail.com. We do occasionally post pictures on Instagram. We're at podcast. Any of the stories and information we use for the show today will be posted in our show notes as well. Please join us again next week when we talk more about weird, wacky, and wild tales. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe, keep it real, and always live your very best life. Bye! Thank you.